This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter. Visit enterpriseinspace.org. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. Golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Ken Tripp. And I am Zach Moore, and we will be launching our second Origins Outline, looking at the deployment and use of the cloaking device from its initial debut and Balance of Terror through The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. This is a very interesting subject to me for a few reasons. Its use is clever and adds a huge tactical advantage to those who have it. And the reason it is not used by the Federation into the Borg threat uh, when the Dominion War happens is equally interesting. Yeah, so let's walk down a timeline here. In the original series, we got our first look at this technology in Balance of Terror. And then when the Federation felt it was a game-changing threat, stole that cloaking device in the Enterprise incident. Yeah, so let's, let's, let's do that, Zach. So in the Balance of Terror, we know that uh, it was largely based off the movie Enemy Below. And it was a submarine warfare plot line, right, where they, they needed the ship to have a way to become invisible and kind of have that, that tension between the two. And they came up with the cloaking device or the bending of light. And, and the Romulans, to this point, were the, the only um, race that we know of that, that had this technology. And I, I thought it was used quite, quite wonderfully because the, uh, the Federation was dealing with this for the very first time, if I remember correctly. As of Balance of Terror, this was a new technology that the Federation had not encountered before, and they talk about the Romulan Wars from about 100 years before, and obviously back then, there was no visual technology, so there wasn't that, and there wasn't cloaking technology then either. So this is something the Romulans have, you know, they have a tendency to do this, and as we go through our conversation, we'll talk about this, but they have a tendency to just kind of withdraw from the rest of the galaxy for large amounts of time, and between when they last encountered them, uh, and in the Raman War, Earth Raman War, and Bounce of Terror, they developed this cloaking technology, and that's a it's a pretty cool technology for for sure. I mean, there's there's a huge tactical advantage, as you said, because when you can sneak up on an enemy and do a sneak attack and then disappear again, which is what they were doing with all the outposts. I mean, they can just get get away with it scot free unless unless you develop a, a technology to uh, to detect it or at least know what to look for. Because I think the the initial problem was. And this episode, the Enterprise didn't even know what they were looking for with the Romulans. That's right. They uh, they could detect something on motion sensors, as they said. <laughs> the motion sensor, <But> yeah. <laughs> the motion sensor. But if the if the ship was uh, still, if it wasn't moving, I from from what I gather, they they wouldn't be able to see it. And there was, you know, a a slight flux, I guess, in the bending of the light that we we kind of get onto as time moves on. But in the balance of terror, and even including the Enterprise incident. 
when the Enterprise just goes right into Romulan space, it is surrounded before they knew those ships were there. So it was a, um, a very, very advanced piece of technology for their day and huge, 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 like I said, advantage. The, um, the only way the Enterprise in, in Balance of Terror was successful was deploying tactics and you know trying to outmaneuver because they, they kind of knew where the ship was heading. If, if that ship was going in a different direction or trying to get deeper into the Federation or whatnot, I don't think they, they would have had much luck trying to find it. Right. It was a very unique set of circumstances that allowed the Enterprise to find and eventually defeat the Romulan Bird of Prey. But we mentioned the Enterprise incident, and, and I think there was a clear evolution in the technology between Bird of Prey and the Enterprise incident. For one, it's a very limited vessel, a small vessel. Its objective was to, to, to sneak itself into uh, a target area, destroy that target, and then sneak back to its home base. You know, just a one-mission kind of ship. And then when we see them again in the Enterprise incident, these have, of course, have been converted Klingon battlecruisers, which we've, we've talked about several times here. So that's right. <laughs> the standard yeah. That's one of our favorite subjects. <laughs> it's these ships going back and forth. But uh, they've converted this cloaking technology to a, to a Klingon ship. And as you said, Ken, they just they appear out of nowhere. And it seems to be a, just a more sophisticated uh, version of the cloaking device. And somewhere along the way, Starfleet Federation got wind of this new technology because they almost act like it's new like you don't really reference balance of terror enterprise isn't it they're like oh this is some kind of invisibility like okay you know the, the original series is infamous for for its its lack of referencing to earlier episodes and this is one of those cases uh and like if this was in a later star trek you would assume they would say oh it is similar to what we encountered along the neutral zone but it has been advanced they didn't say that it's implied but nobody really said that and that's fine but the reason why you know the Enterprise and Kirk specifically has gotten this mission to go in and get the cloaking device is because it's a, it's the next evolution of the cloaking device and is uh, therefore represents a much greater danger to Starfleet and the Federation. Right, it changes the balance of power in the uh, in the galaxy or the or the Alpha Quadrant, as I guess it, it becomes known later on. But it does it it is a it is a game changer. And in order to keep balance and to keep that mutual threat alive, you can't have one enemy have, you know, an enormous advantage over another, uh, especially one as dangerous as as the Romulans, which you know was interesting to me that the focus here was was doing something rather sneaky right there was no mention of section 31 nothing like this it hadn't been invented at this time when the writers were around they just came up with a a pretty clever plot line really to you know to get the federation off the hook get this technology which they you know somehow some way because when when they did capture the actual cloaking device and and you saw what was encompassed in that in that very highly sophisticated um, nomad like device uh, <laughs> getting that hooked up to the shields i i, I give them a lot of credit and um, it, you know it was it was it was a pretty cool episode in that uh, and that they knew that if they didn't have this then then the threat from the romulans would only grow and even if they didn't deploy it they could reverse engineer it in 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 a sense maybe to figure out how to detect it mm-hmm. that that was my kind of take on what starfleet would have done with it obviously they didn't incorporate them in their ships which perhaps they should have but we can get to that conversation in a minute <laughs> i st- well hey you know i've brought this up a couple of times when we were talking about the starships and i know for a fact that the refit enterprise had a cloaking device 
It was in those blueprints. So there, I think there was a timeline when they did actually do it. Now, I, there's nothing referenced to books or whatever. And uh, I, <laughs> I just reordered Mr. Scott's Guide to the Enterprise, uh, that old book uh, about the refit in the Enterprise. I'm going to find it in there. I know I am. <laughs> I'm determined. So I think I think what might have happened is they had it, but they it was it, it could be deployed if they needed to. Uh, because there was certainly nothing that kept them from doing it. It it isn't brought up, that's for sure. Uh, but we really don't encounter, uh, you know, after after the Enterprise incident. And I don't recall in the animated series um, using it or having to uh, deploy weapons against a cloaking device. Honestly, I I don't think we see it again until uh, until Star Trek Three. Yes, I believe in the maybe Kobayashi Maru. Do the Klingons decloak or? No, no, because no, the Klingons didn't no, have cloaking devices No, but that would make then. sense. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense in the Kobayashi Maru, but there's nothing that they uh, they just say, you know, three are inbound or something you know, along You know, let's, let's go on a slight tangent here. about Once again, okay. our, our favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite clearly thing to talk about is these Klingon Romulan ships, right? So the Kobayashi Maru, there's a ship that's lost in the neutral zone, right? But it's the Klingon it neutral drifted zone. Into the neutral we have zone. Klingon neutral zone now. I know we had a Romulan neutral zone, and then it's like an orb. It's not like a line, like the like the Romulan neutral zone, which makes sense. Two two territories. Like the, the graphic they show us in, in Wrath of Khan is like this three dimensional oval, which is odd, right? They could have just said they could have used the same excuse they used in the Enterprise incident, like oh the Romulans are using the Klingon design because they wanted to use the stock footage from. Uh, the motion picture with the Klingon uh, Katinga class cruisers. And they could have just said that again. And then, you know, the Romulans blow them up or whatever. And then they would have just said, Oh, Mr. Savick, the Romulans don't take prisoners. Right. And that would have been, that would have made perfect sense because the Romulans don't take prisoners. Uh, the Klingons are the ones who take prisoners. So I don't know. To me, that was just the thing that, that like, it always made more sense if you would have thought of, if we're going to do the Kobe Ashiru, it would have been Romulans, not Klingons. But there's a tangent. Let's get back to. <laughs> Let's get back to what we were talking about. <laughs> now back to our program. Oh. I, I think, though, you make a good point, Zach. You really do. It it does get a, a little, uh, I guess, back and forth. But, you know, because of the Enterprise incident, the whole thing is opened right, up. Right, it's right? true. Because it's we, true. Know, we, we know that they have uh, an alliance, at, at least in this timeline. And it, you know, they're, they're sharing technology. So, you know, who knows why by the, by the time... You know, 20 years has passed or two and a half years for the motion picture. And then I guess 20 years till Wrath of Khan or something like this. Where are you, Mr. Ataz, when I need you? Uh, there could have been a, a Klingon neutral zone. And, and they do talk about that again uh, in Star Trek VI, mm -hmm. that there is a, a neutral zone between the two. Yeah, well, for the new uh, cloaking device, you know, I, I, I think... I'm not. I guess maybe it was just my interpretation or the way it evolved, but I really do feel like that um, for whatever reason that this one was more advanced than the one in Balance of Terror. Like, like I feel like this, this, these battle cruisers could fly through a comet, <laughs> and you and you wouldn't see them. You know, like <laughs> like what happened in uh, in Balance of Terror. You know what I mean? Well, maybe. I mean, if you think about it, and you think about today's stealth technology. Um... All stealth does, really, is absorbs radar waves, right? It doesn't allow the signal to bounce back. And what this does is it bends light, right, around uh, around the ship so that it, it looks like kind of a hole in space. I think that's that's the way it's described. So how it works on the sensors, I guess, is similar. Either a signal doesn't return back to... Uh, you know, to the Federation ships that are and are able to detect it, or it just simply reflects off and away, right? It uh, 
might show us some kind of small blip, just like stealth works actually today. You can still catch it on radar, but it, it puts out such a small signal that it's tough to determine what it is. So as far as a ship passing through a bunch of space dust or whatever, since there's no air to move that dust, but something physically would be moving through it, you might be able to see it just because uh, you know it'd be it'd be pushed away just just like a, a boat wake would on well, a lake type of thing. Right. You know? Well, I guess my point is I feel like the balance of terror cloaking device was as you know technically close to something believable like hard science fiction as possible. Right. They use the, the the concepts of the stealth fighters and things like that, sonar detection, and and they apply that just you know they transcribe that to a future uh, combat. But then when we get to Enterprise Incident and pretty much all cloaking devices moving forward, it's more like it's more like space fantasy at that point. It's like, yeah, let's push a button and now we're invisible to everything. <laughs> you know, they didn't really think about yeah. the nitty gritty there. So, well, what was interesting, yeah, and, and I think that's a good point because one of the things we we never really get our arms around too well is how ships that have deployed the cloaking device stay in touch with each other, know what formations they're in, all that other stuff. Because at the end of the Enterprise Incident, the Romulans couldn't locate the Enterprise. Right? They couldn't use uh, what they've learned from their old technology to detect it. So I guess you're right. It does make it, quote-unquote, invisible, which I don't think that's the point, but that's what happened. Right. And, hey, all credit to Scotty. He truly is a miracle worker. What, he had, like, 15 minutes to install <laughs> the cloaking device on the Enterprise and Enterprise Incident? I mean, that's crazy. That's mm-hmm. like you can't even get an iPhone to communicate with a PC correctly, <laughs> you know? And, <laughs> and you get you get Scotty gets handed this alien piece of technology. He's like, Scotty, you have 15 minutes. So we're all dead. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> so that, that's episode more than the other. I was most impressed with Scotty's uh, engineering technique. I mean, where do you even plug that thing in, <laughs> right? I mean, he's just working on a console. I mean, it's crazy, you know? Yeah, and the one the one giveaway was that it was being used on the deflector, not the deflector shields, but these shields, correct? If that's what I remember right. So it, it goes into the same, whatever generates the shields, um, this technology also generates that ability to refract light into the shields or around the shields. So. Yeah, and it was always my interpretation, and this is just what I took from the shows, that the cloaking device was like a bubble, much like you know the shield bubble you see around ships later on, because that, that makes more sense than like, you know, it's it's projecting a equally distributed you know shield you know around the ship. So so when I the way I see a ship cloaking is obviously the visual interpretations are different for every series and movie, but you know, we see it quote unquote disappear. But it just projects this sphere of, of of radio silence around the ships, and that that's how I envision the cloaking device operating. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, I think we're aligned there. So if we if we leave the the television shows and. I think we, we take a look into the animated series. I don't recall anything. You, I'm sure Aaron will let us know if we've missed something here. And then we we, we move forward all the way to Star Trek Three. That's the next time we see anything involving a cloaking device, and we find it again on a Klingon warship, which is pretty sophisticated in of itself. I mean, it's... Uh, it's incredible. You can you can land the thing on planet Earth and not even see it. So it's uh, even though you can see it when you're in outer space because you see like this little I don't know, like this little black hole moving against the silhouette of a planet. You can't see it if it's a foot in front of you when you're in a park in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, that that's the continued evolution I think of of the visual representation. Uh because yeah, in Star Trek 3 was this was the new cloaking device, right? And you see like the Almost like a mirage-looking, you know, wave of of lights yeah, yeah. across like the stars, uh, uh, as if like a true stealth. Like that, that is less magic and more scientific. Like I can buy that if we had a cloaking device in real life, 
it would it would look like you know it's reflecting back what's behind it you know and all that and that's why you'd see it that way <laughs> star trek 4 it's like yeah that's just magic right you just put your invisibility cloak on and now now we can't see you right yeah that's right it, it did the same thing as balance and terror to the enterprise incident it's the same thing from star trek 3 to star trek 4 it allowed you to tell the story differently and and magnificently, really, if you think about it, uh, you know, as to how they could do what they were doing. And so it, it was brilliant in that context. I think the, um, like I said, the the appearance of the the bird of prey at the beginning of Star Trek Three was was pretty awesome, right? I mean, I, I think people are like, oh, this is cool. They they've added an element that we have not seen in any other. Um, science fiction show be you know the original series show absolutely but up to this point we haven't seen cloak technology or anything like that in star wars or any of those movie franchises they 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 up the game a little bit in star trek 3 and yeah the cloaking device truly is a unique to star trek technology yes they mention a cloaking device in the empire strikes back and that's it you know i don't really think i can't think of any other space franchise that has uh, cloaking devices like this i mean obviously Battlestar galactica is a lot more grounded um you know i mean there's really not that many other you know true i mean there's a lot of science fiction franchises but like science fiction franchises that take place primarily in space i mean alien comes to mind but they're a lot more grounded as well so yeah i mean star trek all the way as far as cloaking devices go yeah yeah i you know i i know that the use of tractor beams and things like that have have kind of permeated all of them uh i i don't know who was first i don't know if there was a movie or a show before star trek that used it but yeah there's a lot of things that that are used very common in star trek that found their way into other other shows and things like that which which i think is pretty neat but the cloaking device pretty much stands alone it it really was a um a a brilliant idea uh, across many across many lines if you think about it because it it really allows you when you have all these different series and shows, and uh, and as we advance past our Star Trek movies here, the um, the use of the cloaking device is you know it's as a plot point becomes far more common, and it really shows what an advantage it is to have it right more than to not have it right. Well, even you know Star Trek Six is the ultimate evolution of the cloaking device because up until then you have to decloak to fire. Right, and that's that. And to me, I like that. That's we get more and more magical as as this for uh, clicking devices progresses, right? Because obviously, balance of terror is established that it takes so much energy for the bird of prey to fire. It has to decloak. It can't have so much energy going on to hide itself and fire at the same time. And then we can assume that's the case in you know uh, Enterprise incident that never really comes up then uh but then you know we get to star trek 3 and and they speculate like we're well, i'm just gonna guess that they uh have to uncloak to fire like well i hope so <laughs> like like bone says may all your guesses be right <laughs> you know and they're right so yeah uh, and that that is the rule for the klingons for three four five you know because uh, we see the cloaking device at work again in star trek 5 uh, and then star trek 6 we have this ultimate weapon and the bird of prey that can fire when it's cloaked and who knows how they came up with that Right, I assume that's a one-off prototype because we don't see that again for, gosh, let's think about it. I don't think we ever encountered another ship that can fire when cloaked in Star Trek, do we, Ken? Not that I recall. I remember that the uh, the Defiant decloaks. Everything seems to decloak before they shoot, which I have to be honest with you doesn't make a, a lot of sense to me. I, I think really? you you said no, it doesn't. I, I I know what you were saying about the 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 balance of terror that the Romulan ship had this unbelievable plasma-based weapon, right? This thing was just ripping apart asteroids, and if it hit the Enterprise, if it actually hit it at full force, it would have destroyed the ship. 
So they use every ounce of power to generate and fire this thing. When you talk about normal weapons that you're, you know, that you're shooting out of torpedo tubes or your disruptors or whatever, uh, it's not like this, this be-all, end-all, um, you know, I'll, I'll switch to star blazers here, you know, wave motion gun where every, every ounce of power in the ship is being generated, you know, to shoot this thing, like the Enterprise uh, D at the um, at the conclusion of Best of Both Worlds Part no, the, One, the right? deflector it was, dish, gotcha. Right, yeah. it was drained of everything. They they threw everything into the kitchen sink to 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 thrust all this energy, and the ship's dead. So I get that concept, and and I get it from the um, from the point of view of that little Romulan uh, warbird, but I don't get it from anything else. The other thing is too is just like in submarine warfare, if you shoot. Right, and you you don't kill your enemy with those shots. The second you do, your your location is known, right? I mean, technology today um, instantly triangulates all kinds of things. So in the Star Trek universe, which it, it's funny how we have all this advanced technology, but we don't have uh, a lot of the systems and the abilities that we have in real life today when it comes to that kind of stuff. And for the points of telling the story, I get it. But like I said, as soon as that that ship fires, um, before you you, you know, um, I'm saying you know a tenth of a nanosecond, uh, your your weapons firing systems would be able to lock on and and, and aim at the source, right, and and shoot automatically. Well, of I course. see your point about the submarine because obviously underwater and and propulsion and, and you know the mm-hmm. way submarines are, they can't they can't you know, speed away to another area. Right. right, but for a spaceship, you know, my, my fanboy justification <laughs> answer to your <laughs> to your problem there is, you know, you can fire real quick and then just move, just move really quick, full thrusters, full impulse, you know, and it screws up the tracking. So I mean, obviously, it's a lot more a spaceship is a lot more maneuverable than a submarine. Oh, so. oh yeah, I, I grant you that. I grant you that. But I'm just saying, with 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 technology, you know, you you could lay down uh, a pattern. Um, you know, across an area, and you, you'd probably get pretty close, which is exactly what happened in the Balance of Terror, right? It was just like depth charges. They were firing um, towards where, you know, the ship was last sighted or um, where the motion six, you know, so sonar, quote-unquote, had picked it up. So they were able to to get a lock-on. So if you're, if you're firing and, and, you know, there's, there's, you know, that second it's locked on and you, you figure the distance involved, they'd be able to at least fire pretty close to, to get it. Because the way they, ca- they killed General Chang, you know, was through um, being able to detect gas. The, the right? tailpipe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which, if you think about it, is, is no more ridiculous than being able to lock on the second it shoots. You know, <laughs> you know so there's, there's a couple of ways to skin that cat. And, and again, like I said, for storing telepurposes, you, you suspend disbelief and you have a good time. And, the, you know, the Enterprise is getting blown to bits, which, you know, I'm, I'm grabbing the side of the movie theater chairs and, mm-hmm. you know, ready to rip them up because they're, they're blowing up my ship again. But uh, they, they, you know, it, it, it's effective. But why it can't shoot going forward absolutely makes no sense. It, it, there was nothing said in Star Trek VI like the, uh, the draw of energy was too much or, or it couldn't function because I'll tell you— it worked great when it shot its own um, sister ship, and it worked great when it was shooting the Enterprise pretty good. I mean, they couldn't even get a trajectory on that thing. So it, it is great technology. Well, I, I can only assume that somehow the cloaking technology is, is tied into the weapon system. Much like, you know, if I, can, if I can buy that Star Trek The Motion Picture, the warp drive is tied into the phasers, right? They're like the phasers channel through the warp drive and all that. 
Uh, I can buy that the the weapon systems on a bird of prey are channeled through you know the clo- the cloaking device on the bird player channeled through the weapon systems or something. So there's always there's always a way to justify it, Cam. But I, I do see your point because if 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 firing a torpedo right, you, the only thing that the ship is doing is is launching the torpedo. All the explosive technology is on the individual torpedo. You just launch that thing out, and that's it. Right, I mean phasers I can buy because you know phasers the energy is coming straight from the ship, right? But you could just you know as long as you're launching system, I mean you can can you launch a probe right. while you're cloaked? If you can launch a probe while you're cloaked, you can launch a torpedo, right? Uh, so yes, yeah, so this is this cloaking device is unraveling more. Yep. <laughs> more but hey, it gets more magical, so it's easy to poke holes through. Uh, but I, I, they they never went too far with it though, and I'm glad they never went back to that because that would have just felt tired. Like oh okay, doing that again, you know. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I like I said, it's it's fu- it's fun to play with these things. I I understand the reasons why they do things, and it's you know it's entertainment value has to be there. It's it is funny though that you will see people defend to the death, you know, things that that have no continuity, um, and try to build bridges and pull the whole things together, and it's literally impossible to do it. But people will fight, you know, in arguments on about Star Trek to make that happen. So I sometimes enjoy trying to um, understand the logic. And the logic is it fits the plot. It has nothing to do with what happened in Star Trek III. You know, what happens in Star Trek IV builds off Star Trek III. What happens in Star Trek VI builds off IV and III. It, it makes perfect sense. You know, the, the, the technology be damned. I mean, I, I'll tell you one thing. I mean, Star Trek has more, I think, continuity and accuracy and technology bridges than any other uh, science fiction show. And, you know, they've been a number of series and all the different seasons that they've put together. They've done a hell of a job right yeah it's fun to, it's fun to point out the inconsistencies but if you really look at like the, the grand scheme of things like we're, we're talking like 15 percent max things that don't fit together but the other 85 percent do i mean that's very impressive so it is impressive you know. so you know and i always i always point that out to the star wars fans because i'm a big star wars fan too but even with um the force awakens i was laughing at the fact that they no one can seem to track a ship right it's it's on them before you know it it's it's at the planet before you know it no one sees them coming every time it's it's amazing to me so they have all this technology but they don't have any semblance of what you would call radar i don't know why but it is kind of funny that way all right zach so now we're 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 departing tos space into tng space kind of feels funny being over here on the other side of the line doesn't it so yeah here we're here in tng and the first instance we see of the cloaking device in TNG is in the season one season finale, the neutral zone, which is appropriately titled the neutral zone because we deal with the Romulans. We see them for the first time in, I believe it was 50 years or so. They said the Romulans have, had gone, you know, as we said, they, they go on these big hiatuses from, <laughs> from dealing with other species. They kind of just close off their borders and get all, and I, I believe they are kind of xenophobic. That's, that's a big motivation for them. They're, they're always suspicious of other races and don't trust them and, you know, they're probably so suspicious of other races because they're, they're conniving themselves. And you know, they're probably the one, one of the most conniving uh, races uh, in Star Trek. So they, they assume the worst out of everyone. Mm-hmm. So um, no, they've been clearly just uh, in their own borders working on technology. And we get our first look at the Romulan Warbird, which is an awesome ship. Uh, and it, it decloaks in front of the uh, Enterprise D. And it has the coolest sound effect for all the cloaking devices it's like the most iconic like i can't even do it yeah but, don't even uh, try <laughs> I'm not even it is try. hard yeah <laughs> it is hard well first the, the warbird looks 
outstanding. Um, I, I couldn't believe how big the thing was. You know, I always was arguing with myself, is it is it bigger than the Enterprise, is it not? Because back then we didn't really have much guides, but it certainly looked, and it turns out it was much, much bigger. So you know that the technology has increased tenfold. There's, there's no indication that it can shoot well, well cloaked because um, in, in unification, the ships de- decloaked to, to kill the 3,000 soldiers that were going to invade all of Vulcan. And um, <laughs> what, what a great plan. Way to go, Sela. <laughs> good, good plan, good plan. But anyway, yeah, so I, in, in every case that I see, that I remember the, the Romulan shooting, they do it, um, they do it uncloaked, except in Nemesis when the, um, when, when Shizan's ship, um, the scimitar. scimitar, that does seem to shoot quite a bit while it's cloaked. It does? Oh, man. Mm-hmm. See, I've tried to block out Nemesis from my memory. That's why I forget, because uh, it's not a good movie. Sorry, it's just, <laughs> it's just my opinion. Careful now. You're, you're, in, you're in someone else's territory. I keep looking around, seeing if anybody's coming from. TNG cloaking technology is much better than the TOS cloaking technology, so be careful now, you know? That's right. Are you, uh, are really, are you sure the Scimitar can fire when it's cloaked? Am I sure? No, I just remember that during the battle, when they're when they're zooming around that that nebula or whatever they're in, mm-hmm. the Mutara nebula. Oh wait, no. Yes. <laughs> when they're in that nebula, it seems to me like the Enterprise takes quite a few hits of its own, and the um, they they decloaked like one section of the ship to lure in a couple of warbirds, and then you know to make it look like it was damaged, and then when the ships went by, it was firing. But I don't remember the whole ship becoming decloaked to shoot. And I was just giving Star Trek credit for not going back to that well. I mean, what? I, the, and the reason I like Nemesis is it's just a tired retread of everything we've seen before. We're not here to talk about that. But all I'm going to say is, like, like if, if that is true, if they really can fire when it's cloaked, because I haven't seen Nemesis in years, because I have no desire to. Wow. Way, way to rip off another previous film and your film, guys. The big enemy ship can fire when it's cloaked. Ugh. But moving on to the other, <laughs> other cloaking <laughs> devices in TNG. Uh, we see the Romulans use it. We see the Klingons use it. Um, I did find that you know there, there there needs to be some kind of uh, just talking about. I'm thinking of all the times we've seen Romulan ships cloak and decloak in TNG. Uh, you know, in the episode The Mind's Eye, when Jordy's like on his shuttle going to rise up, and he's sitting there like he's got his back to the window, and he's just playing the computer game. You know, like you know, animal, vegetable, mineral, or whatever he's playing, and and the ship decloaks right in front of him, and he just happens to turn around and see it. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Is there not like a proximity alert on these? <laughs> on these uh on these ships right to 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 notice when a when a enemy vessel has decloaked like within visual range which has <laughs> got to be pretty close you think right yeah yeah well you know what i i will say that was a a great moment you know it was it was one of those things you didn't you didn't expect it and there it is but i will tell you this that tells you again just how uh how incredible that technology is because as far as we know they're deep in federation space and they don't care, right? So what's to keep them from from orbiting Earth when they want and just start laying down all kinds of weaponry? And, and that's that's my kind of my my issue with the um, one the ability of of cloak technology is incredible, but how silly it is that the Federation and this is where it gets established really um, holistically, right? That the Federation just doesn't play in this playground because they steal it in the original series so that they could have it. And then in the next generation, you know, there's this treaty of, of Algernon. Is that how it's pronounced? Algernon? Treaty of Algernon. Treaty of Algernon. It's, it's, like, it's them, like flowers for Algernon. Yeah, yeah. Right? So <laughs> that, that keep them from, from developing this technology, which is ridiculous in concept. I mean, it's it's wholly ridiculous. Whether, whether or not it kept the peace for 60 years or not, it's... Uh, 
you know, you're, you're, you're essentially signing a, a waiver that says we won't do this and you'll do that with somebody who has absolutely um, no credibility. And it's, it's just an amazing thing. But at any rate, um, it, it, like I said, it just tells you what, what a game changer that is. And then it looks like behind the scenes, the Federation was actually trying to go one step beyond cloak technology, yeah? Phasing technology, yeah, which is interesting because we see the Romulans do this, you know, Romulans Next Generation, you know, we're in that wheelhouse now, and the episode The Next Phase, the Romulans are trying to do the same thing we find out the Federation is doing in the Pegasus, or had done in the past with uh, Captain Pressman at that time, and then Riker when he was, I believe, an ensign on the Pegasus. Shady stuff, and, you know, I, and again, a lot of this is um, out, it's non-canon, right? I know you love the term <laughs> canon when it comes to Star Trek, and, but, uh, you know, I, I believe that, that there has either been, if there hasn't been true fiction, there's been fan fiction about this, I'm sure. I'm sure. But, you know, Pressman and the Pegasus all being like a Section 31 thing, because that's, that's straight up Section 31 procedure there, you know, to, to have this, this experiment gone wrong, plausible deniability, you know. Uh, and that was the whole thing in the Enterprise incident. That's why Kirk uh, was the only one who knew about it, Kirk and Spock. So it would be plausible deniability if things went wrong. And things clearly went wrong on the Pegasus because, you know, it gets trapped in an asteroid and stuck there for, for several years, you know. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I, to me, though, I mean, we're talking about this, the delving into this stuff. It, it's just so odd to me that, okay, why do we need to agree that we can't use cloaking devices? Again, I believe Gene Roddenberry, the, to paraphrase, said, we're the good guys, we don't sneak around, which is such a, like, look, I admire your optimism, but it's very naive, <laughs> you know, um, because if you think back, of course, the military procedure, we think back to the original, because we're talking about, you know, we're all Star Trek Origins, right, where this came from, mm-hmm. and the original series is a powerful technology, Starfleet recognizes that and goes to steal it, Right. As you should, right? And then look at look at Star Trek three. The Klingons find out about Genesis, a powerful technology, like, oh, we need to we need to find out what this is. So it's it's the same kind of mentality and the governments and, and organizations would do. And then, you know, and then here we get to we get to next generation era and we found that that we just signed off our our rights to not cloak for what? Like what what's gonna happen if we if we use cloaking devices, what, the Romulans are gonna attack us? Well then, at least we'll be on equal footing because we both have cloaking devices. Now, now they could attack you anyway. <laughs> you, you, you're not up to speed with the technology. So, uh, I, I'm with you, man. It, it is, a, it is a strange thing to wrap your mind around. And look, I, I get they don't want everybody cloaking left and right. And although during the time of the motion picture, apparently they thought it was okay if they, if they have that in the schematics there. But uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's weird because the Klingons clearly have it, and the Klingons are our ally, and we didn't make them sign a treaty to say you're not going to cloak. You know, so. What gives Starfleet? Yeah, maybe that was the leverage they were thinking about, is if they were allied with the Klingons and the Klingons can do it, that was enough of a detraction for the Romulans to do it, but not to do it, excuse me, or to use that technology against them. But again, none of it really makes much sense to me. And I think you made up an you made an excellent point when you spoke about the Klingons running in to get Genesis because it was a game changer. Again, it's all about balance of power, right? And you don't want, you know, if if... Even in today's world, if if you've got too much power, then people want to take it away from you, right? Or they they look at you as some kind of bully. Um, you you want to keep things as even as possible, so that if you try something, you know that that the results are not going to be pretty for either side. And I think that's that's the whole point. And I think that's you know you know Star Trek does so many things right. You know when you think about it, uh, it's it's such a, a wonderful show. It's it's a wonderful philosophy. 
and and I love it to death because here we are doing a podcast on on Star Trek. <laughs> but I, I just thought that this is if there was one area that I just thought was a little ridiculous um, and not well thought of, thought out anyway, was this whole thing with the cloak. Now, if you use cloak technology all the time. It's not going to be a lot of fun for the viewers, right? <laughs> Where, where's the ship? Where's the ship? <laughs> they hey, would save look, so much space. money. They would on, have saved uh, a lot of money. Well, yeah, yeah. it's like in a, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield where uh, or, or Beale has a invisible ship, you know? Uh, that, that They don't really refer to it as a cloaking device or anything, but they just say, oh, it's, his ship is invisible. It's like, okay, what does that mean? But it's just so we didn't have to see another <laughs> ship, you know, and, and whatever, yeah. right? <laughs> right. Right, but at any rate, so I mean, it, it it gets it gets a little iffy, but then a game changer, right? Are, are you um, are you prepared to move into another realm of Star Trek? No, let's do it. All right, here we are now in Deep Space Nine, and this one's a little creepier because it's a lot more military in here. Um, the use and the adoption of the cloaking device dramatically changes because circumstances have dramatically changed. Yeah, this is. Deep Space Nine and the and the use of the USS Defiant, which was created as a as a weapon against the Borg, has a cloaking device, right? And it has a cloaking device at first with a Romulan. Yeah, well, for for two episodes they have a Romulan supervisor, and then they decide, uh, you know, we have enough characters, so forget it. Yeah, <laughs> well, because they can't technically use a cloak. In the Alpha Quadrant, you can only cloak if you're in the other quadrant. Which they break so quickly, I think. <laughs> well, just that alone, if the ship was designed to destroy the Borg, I don't think they were going to the Gamma Quadrant to destroy the Borg, right? I mean, See, I don't be... think they necessarily designed the ship with the cloaking device in mind. Uh, if it was an anti-Borg weapon, there's no you don't need to, you know, sneaking up on the Borg is not going to help you, right? When you, as soon as you show up, it doesn't matter. I, I feel like they added the cloaking device you know, as they were getting it ready to go to the Gamma Quadrant to fight the Dominion, you know, I think it reconnaissance, you know, uh, but I don't know. Like, I, I I have to look at the blueprints. I have to look at the blueprints to see. Yeah, so. I, I never, well, at least they never said that, that it was added on for no, the Gamma Quadrant. They never said it either way. Yeah, but I it mean, was I guess assumed. It's just, that's just the way I assumed it, but I, I see I see your thinking there, Ken. If, if they designed a cloaking device to go attack the Borg, then that was, that was a while ago, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, by the time it, when did it show up? The end of season three, season four. Uh, beginning of season three, D Space Nine. Beginning yeah, but it had three, been Cisco right. had designed it, you know, back when he was working at, at uh, on Earth uh, on spaceship designs. You know, after Wolf three five nine and before he got assigned to D Space Nine. So this has been in the yeah. works for a long time. So, but, yeah, relatively two or three years isn't that long a time. But uh, I, I hear what you're saying. I think that the the point is that if you're going after the all powerful weapon, uh, the Borg. You're going to use every advantage, and uh, the Borg, as soon as they detect you, they change course and come after you. Right. <laughs> so if you can sneak up on them at any time uh, to get that tactical advantage, well, then that's a huge game changer. That's why I assumed that cloaking device would be a great weapon for these little ships, because if you had, you know, dozens and dozens of these defiant type ships just coming after you, um, and you don't know which way is up, that's that's pretty cool. Now, again, it can't shoot. While cloaked, either uh, that's that's another weakness, but that that could have been another big uh, a big part of it anyway. Yeah, the thing with the define of the cloaking device is is very interesting because it's obviously the first time we've ever seen. Well, I guess it's the second time because you know, the Enterprise did use it in the Enterprise incident, but uh, outside of that, it's the uh, it's the first time we've seen on a regular basis a, a Starfleet vessel use the cloaking device, 
and uh you know it's cool that they uh, it's completely unnecessary but it's cool like they turn all the lights down when the clicking device is on <laughs> you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a cool visual cue there it's cool because d space nine obviously a lot of things the status quo changes a lot on d space nine you know we have we have the, the klingon alliance falls apart so actually you yep. know the the defiant they use the defiant and the cloaking device to go you know uh, and way of the warrior to go save cardassians and we see them, you know, breaking the rules, and nobody, nobody comes and takes the cloaking device away from them, do they? So I guess, I guess it was okay. Oh no! Uh, but see, that's the danger, though, Ken. I mean, to get back to our, our problem with the Federation not using cloaking technology is, um, you said, oh well, you know, they're they're allies with the Klingons, so they figured that was enough. And Picard uses that to his advantage in the Next Generation several times. I mean, he gets a cloaked ship to go to Romulus and Unification. He brings extra Klingon ships with him when he goes into the neutral zone. I believe in the Defector. Um, right. yep. So he's using that the, the Klingons as his allies to his advantage. Uh, but fast forward to middle of D Space Nine, the Klingons aren't your ally anymore, right? So you have no friends with cloaking devices. All your all your all the people with cloaking devices are your enemies. So it's a good thing they got that uh, good thing they got that worked out with the Defiant. And it's 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 weird. You think at the time of war too, like all out war, right? I mean this is, this is the the biggest war we've seen the Federation fight. You think they would like do something to say, you know what? Let's just give everybody a cloaking device now and then we'll see what happens right I mean, what's the worst that could happen right the romans aren't going to attack you because you started to use cloaking devices you would think right because it's their common enemy is the dominion so why would they i don't know you know what i'm saying uh, i do I, that's why it's that's why i was going with this I, I think that in deep space nine that's why it's 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 probably one of it well it's it's my it's my favorite series outside of of, of tos and the tos movies uh, it, because of that, because it, it, you know, I think eventually some of these writers came together and said, "You know what? This is kind of weird. You know, <laughs> we need to get this right. You need to have the balance of power be matched. Uh, if you're going to disrupt that balance of power by going to war with the Klingons and then with the Dominion, which was brilliant in its strategy, uh, then you have to have technologies that's 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 up to speed, right? Because if you don't, you're going to lose. And that element of surprise." Uh, is I'm telling you that is the biggest game changer, right? Why, why do you think special forces operate at night so they can't be seen? I mean, it's really, you know, how it, it, you know, why why do SEAL teams dive, you know, uh, from parachutes six miles uh, out to sea and then come in by water, you know, <laughs> because you can't be seen. Well, it's the same thing. This this technology allows you to to creep up on your enemy, um, and 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 you know. Do the things you need to do in order to ensure success for your side. Yeah, it's 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 kind of ironic too that the Dominion, right? I don't remember if their ships cloaked, but their soldiers did. I was just thinking about that when you're talking about special forces, because it's odd that the Dominion doesn't have cloaking devices for their ships because they're the Jim Hadar have a have a personalized cloaking technology, you know. And it's uh, uh it's funny, you know, doing from there to here recently. I was talking about uh. Uh, blaze of glory with lee hutchinson and and uh <laughs> there, there's a scene where you know cisco and edison go to the maquis base cisco shoots like to the, into an empty space because he because he uh, predicts that some jim hadar there and he shoots them and they are there and they fall they fall down they had been cloaked and editing says oh i forgot they could do that <laughs> i'm like you know what i did too <laughs> you know <laughs> because it, when you first see him it's like oh my that's so cool you know and they, they get away from that as time goes on because they don't they don't need to be stealthy because at that point it's like all out war but uh it's uh it's a cool thing that i'm sure uh, the military is hard at work somebody in some secret lab right now is hard at work trying to get some like invisibility suit or something i mean there's so many sci-fi i mean we talk about there's not a lot of uh space-based science fiction that have starships have cloaking devices but there if you look around at every science fiction 
you know, any kind of science fiction, uh, there's always some story about somebody tried to like make themselves invisible or invent a cloaking suit of some kind, or there's invisibility cloaks or whatever you want in fantasy world. So, uh, personalized cloaking technology is, is an even greater tactical advantage, depending on what your mission is, but an even greater tactical advantage than uh, a ship being cloaked because if you, a person can get in and out undetected, I mean, that's huge, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you think about it throughout history, before you know, the the ones that adapted to and were able, the the U.S. fleet had radar before the Japanese, uh, and the fleet was you know demolished, and that was a huge advantage, right? To know where they were, um, they didn't know how to use it as well. But as time went on, just the ability um, to use radar to 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 find your enemy and know where they were before you knew they were there. It's incredible. So that's why I guess maybe I, I look at it through that lens all the time is why would why would you set up your society so that you have to survive based on the charities of your enemy? Who's gonna be who's gonna be charitable? It's just a timing game, right? Especially if 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 everything they do is, has been kind of out there that they, they wanna grow, they wanna expand, just like any other kind of evil empire. You're, you're, you're making a deal with the devil. That makes no sense. It just makes no sense. And so that's that's why I come down on that. And that's why I think with Deep Space Nine, they, they finally turn it all around and they get it right. But it's it was quite a journey, if you think about it, from from first initially seeing this thing in Balance of Terror, this this whole idea was outstanding to the Enterprise incident and, and stealing it so that they could have it. And then how it became such a game changer uh, in Star Trek Three. I mean cloaking device essentially destroyed the enterprise right in a sense it it was decloaked and it got it 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 got it got hurt but that ship was powerful enough to shoot up and blow up the uh the enterprise as as kirk said it that that <laughs> that little ship cost us a lot right and uh and then in, in star trek 4 it was it was used for good and then in star trek 6 wow it, it really went into a whole new direction and then TNG is where it just keeps getting cloudier and cloudier. You know, Romulans and Klingons can use it, but we can't. Well, even yeah. in the future in, in, in TNG and all good things, and I know that's an alternate future, but, you know, the Enterprise D, the, the Enterprise D 2.0 or whatever, whatever you want to call it, uh, right. has a cloaking device, you know? And that's, I think right. that's really cool. Look, I, I, a lot of, I don't know, I feel like in fandom it seems like feelings are mixed on the enterprise d from all good things i think it's awesome i think it's like it's like the ultimate fanboy version of the enterprise d it has three nacelles huge laser cannon or laser cannon excuse me wrong franchise phaser cannon the antenna it can cloak and go up to like warp 13 i mean that's that's awesome who knows what the geopoliticals of, actually that didn't even apply in space but the you know the galactical political situation is in the future of all good things to, to, to allow federation to have a cloaking device because if the romulans are have been conquered by the klingons they're not a power and if we're enemies with the klingons we're probably like you know what let's go ahead and use the cloaking device now because what do we have to lose right so that's probably where they got to in that in that future i mean you can only extrapolate so much from from the limited amount we saw but that just was really cool to see that in the enterprise d and then going into d space nine let's talk about this for a second don't forget there are cloaked mines you know, I mean, the, the minefield that the, that the uh, Defiant deploys in front of the wormhole to keep the Dominion yeah. out. I mean, that's that's huge. And that's something the Klingons had been doing earlier as well, because the uh, back when the Klingons and the Federation were fighting, the Klingons were, were mining uh, Bajoran space with with mines. And, you know, they had a few accidents. And that's how uh, that's how Federation found out about it. I guess, you know, we have similar technology today to, quote unquote, cloaked mines. Do we not? 
I don't know about cloak them. I mean, not but, not that they're like physically invisible, but like you know, not detectable by certain scans. I mean, I I don't know. Do we? I mean, I I, I, I seem, it seems like something something that we would have some kind of technology that that are hidden that hides minds and things like that. Well, you know, it's it's funny. I, I mean, not to get too too technical, but when you're talking about things that are submerged, if if you're listening for sound, minds don't make any sounds, right? If you were to use active sonar in ping, yeah, you could detect minds underwater. You could detect because it gives you a picture of what's out there. However, the second you do that, like I said, the bad guys now know where you are, right? So it's that's why what makes minds so deadly is you know mo- you, they're just under the surface enough, uh, and if there's any other surface noise going, yeah, that's you know even in the uh, in the Gulf War uh, or you know back when we were protecting Kuwaiti ships and all that stuff, uh, plenty of mines were hit because they're they're just devastating. You hear about all these like old mines that people didn't realize they were there that blow up and like hurt civilians and stuff, and you got to think they went over this with a metal detector or something, and just nobody found it. So even even when you have the technology. To find things, sometimes things slip through. Yeah, no, it's absolutely they are. So it, it, I think you make a good point. I think that 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 hits the point totally. Why? First of all, let's just say this: the technology in Star Trek, like the idea of this premise, was brilliant. It really was. Its its execution was choppy from series to series, but the the technology itself was was a wonderful idea. I think it it added so much intrigue and it allowed for a lot of stories that couldn't be told before to be told and i guess to your point and save some money from time to time with it yeah <laughs> yeah that's true that's true because when you don't have a ship to see you don't have to show it and i am i'm glad that they kept the romulans and then the klingons again based off that whole fact that they lost the bird of prey model and they had to have some kind of alliance to explain why they were using romulan and klingon ships that's why Klingons, or, you know, we can look at it that way. I choose to. That's why Klingons got cloaking devices, and that's why they're the only two races that have true cloaking devices because it just proves that this is a very, very sophisticated, unique technology that not everybody can just invent, right? Everybody invented warp drive of their own capacity. Everybody has a phaser of some kind, right? But not everybody has a cloaking device. So that just shows you how complicated and unique a technology it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... It's the coolest, man. It's it's <laughs> it, that's that's why when we were talking about what we were going to talk about, we said, "Oh, the cloaking device! What what a great premise, right?" And it's it's not only is it part of Star Trek Origins, I'm fairly confident it's Star Trek original. I think, right? Well, we'll have to go back through the the Flash Gordon archives and <laughs> you know things like that and see. But uh, but yeah, I, I think it, it it's definitely the first time in popular culture. That people knew what it was. I mean, you know, Lord of the Rings had, you know, an, what invisibility things going on and, you know, wizards and all that. But we're talking about technology. We're talking about, like, science fiction, not some kind of spell or magic ring, you know, that makes you invisible. We're talking about something that you can, like, plug into your ship and uh, and fly around undetected. And that's, uh, that's Star Trek, man. So, Star Trek Origins. Well, it is. It is Star Trek. And it's another one of those technology things that they came up with in the 60s that became a reality 20, 30 years later. Right, I mean, with the uh, the the B one, I'm sorry, the B two bomber, right, the stealth bomber and the stealth fighter and all these things. I mean, it's even if you look at warships today, they're 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 angular, they're changed differently, they have a different profile, so that they can essentially be cloaked. 
It's it's pretty cool. Absolutely, Ken. Now, before we go today, I do want to mention we still have our iTunes giveaway contest going. If you leave us a review on iTunes between now and November 17th, you have a chance to win a copy of Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1 on Blu-ray. So please be sure to do that. But cloaking devices and iTunes giveaways aren't the only thing we're talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a look at some other things you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. So going to Destination Star Trek and being able to see the crew, you know, some of the crew, some of the major, you know, still living members of the 60s original series crew, well, it was a, it's a bit of a bucket list moment for me. Saturday Morning Trek. And all these things just brought in more and more people who thought they were alone and they found each other and they made their clubs and they then they made conventions and... That just That's what the 70s were about, was getting Star Trek back and finding each other. Melodic Treks. Imagine that scene without that music. That music is so poignant and so beautiful. And they had played it earlier in the episode, and it wasn't sad when they played it earlier. It was romantic. It was happy. It was freeing. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So you can find us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can always stream or download the MP3 file from our website at trek.fm and grab the RSS link as well. If you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscription button. That makes it easier for our listeners to find the show when they search for iTunes. And we love new listeners, so please, please, please subscribe directly to Standard Orbit as well as the Trek FM Master Feed and help us increase our visibility for new listeners. Also, we would ask you to help us out with Patreon. Well, what is Patreon? Well, Patreon is the method that we use to fund the network. So I would encourage you all, if you can, if you can afford it, to go on to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Trek FM, and become a patron. And for as little as $15 a month, you can join Trek FM's patron roundtable, which is wonderful. I mean, this is how I found my way onto the network, and who knows? What could happen to you, right? You, you might find your way. And then if you're kind enough to donate $25 per month or more, uh, you get associate producer credit for the shows of your choice, and that's a big deal. And speaking of that, we would like to say thank you always to our associate producers for this show, for Standard Orbit, Renee Roberts, Richard Rutledge, and Aaron Harvey. Thanks so much for all of your support for both Standard Orbit and for Trek FM through Patreon. You can find Renee on Twitter at MRES underscore 1701. Richard, you can find at at RUT8972. And you can find our buddy Aaron Harvey at GeekFilter, all on Twitter. So look them up, follow them, and, uh, and thank you again. And if you'd like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trek.fm slash contact and look into the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm. And please leave us a voice message that we can play here on the show. You can hear your own voice on the podcast. Pretty fun. So feel free to do that. And you can also contact us through Twitter at TrekFM or through Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM and the Babel Conference. To find us at the Babel Conference, type The Babel Conference, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at Trek.FM and click Discussion on the menu bar. Babel Conference is a great way for you to connect with fellow listeners and the hosts of the network. So as for me personally, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach, that's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H, 
And I'm also the host of my own podcast called Always Hold On to Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that young Superman TV show. And we're on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. What about you, Ken? So you can find me as well on the Babel Conference. That's where I like to hang out. It's my favorite spot on Facebook, to be honest with you. It's the safest, funnest, uh, most respectful spot to talk Star Trek on the entire interweb. So look for me there and feel free to also look for me on Facebook at any time and feel free to IM me with questions or, or, or if you just want to hook up and be friends. Or you can, uh, you can get information from me via Twitter. Yes, I am on Twitter now at Boston SCPO. That's Boston Senior Chief Petty Officer SCPO. And I look forward to communicating with you in between these shows and especially when they drop. That's when it's a lot of fun. So we'll talk to you soon. So thanks, everyone, again for listening. And join us next time here on Trek.fm for another episode of Standard Orbit. Standard Orbit.